Hello. Fellowship. I'm glad to be here tonight. Uh, You got to give me a minute to exercise my faith because I was looking at this stand and I was looking at my size. I was looking at this stand and I was looking at my size. I was like, oh God, increase my faith that I could stand on this stand. I was was worried about if it was going to hold me up, but it it looks like it's going to be all right. We'll be all right. So um, I'm a little bigger than Pastor Joe and Pastor Tim, so uh, we have to have a little extra uh, protection up here. But I'm grateful to be here tonight. Uh, I'm so honored that uh, Pastor Tim would ask me to come and share with you on tonight. And I thank uh, my friend, Pastor Joe, uh, for uh, the senior pastor here at this church. Can y'all give him a hand? That's, that's, the, main, that's the main one. We, we, call, we call him Papa Joe in, uh, in, on the street. You know, it's kind of like Papa Joe, you know, one of those kind of things. But uh, we're grateful uh, for this opportunity. As, they, as he, uh, Pastor Tim said, my name is Pastor T.D. I pastor Antioch Baptist Church. It's on the east side of Topeka. Uh, it's on the other side of Kansas, on the other side of Topeka Boulevard. It's on that side uh, of town, and we pastor over there, and I've been there for about 13 years. Uh, I'm grateful tonight to have my son with me, uh, DeAndre. I bet you can't guess which one he is. <laughs> Uh, uh, DeAndre, uh, he's a, a eighth grader at Jordine, and uh, he's uh, just excited to be here with us on tonight. Let's uh, uh, just look to God and let's uh, pray on tonight. Gracious God, we thank you for this time. Uh, we thank you for uh, just being here tonight. We thank you for all these youth that are in this room, and we pray uh, that something is said or done that would impact their lives and they come to know you just that much better. We uh, glorify you and we thank you tonight. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, let me address the elephant in the room. In case you have not figured it out, I want to let you in on a secret. Don't tell nobody, but I'm black. I'm serious. Y'all, y'all probably didn't figure that out. You probably couldn't tell. Uh, I don't know if you caught it when I got up here to speak, but I'm black. I've been black all my life. This didn't change. I've been black all my life, and, and I'm proud to be black. I'm excited to be black. But one of the things that I'm here for tonight is just to really kind of address the elephant in the room. And I know what some of you were probably saying. I know what the elephant is because you don't really struggle with color. The elephant is that he has on a Bronco jersey (laughs) in in Kansas City Chief territory. I saw one young lady that was walking around and said, Packers country, she's... Let him roar. All right. <laughs> My son is a, a bear fan. That's because his mama made him a bear fan. Made him a bear fan. Uh, but let me let me give you a little bit about my background. So it kind of uh, shapes up what we're talking about. I understand that you've been in James chapter two, and I was praying about what to share, and this really the Lord was let's share you. So I hope you don't mind. I'm just going to share 
a little bit about who I am. My, my great-grandfather and grandmother were what was called sharecroppers. Uh, a sharecropper was uh, individuals who were able to get certain uh, pieces of land uh, from uh, individuals, and they had the privilege of working that land and making a living. Uh, they gave birth to my grandparents, which uh, lived in Texas, small city in Texas called Texas City, Texarkana, around that area. They lived there, and they uh, lived there for years until they moved to Kansas City, uh, Missouri. Uh, my mother and father met in, in uh, uh, California. Uh, then one day they said, hey, you know, we ought to get married and produce this uh, great uh, son named T.D., and uh, they uh, gave birth to me in Denver, Colorado. And so uh, I grew up in Denver uh, all of my life. And uh, while I was in Denver, my father pastored a church in Denver for 27 years. He pastored a church in Denver for 27 years. It was a predominantly African-American church. And so we didn't really associate or worship uh, uh, cross-culturally. Uh, that much. But when we did, it was a great experience. So for 27 years, uh, what I knew as worship was the African-American experience, uh, the Sunday morning uh, experience, kind of like you see on the movies when you say, let the church say amen, and they're saying amen, and they're running around. I mean, you got to come over to the east side of Topeka and worship with us one day. It's a great experience. Uh, So we, 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 I go from, uh, Denver, uh, I grow to high school. Let me give you my high school background. I go to high school. And in high school, I go to a predominantly uh, black uh, high school. And one day, they had the audacity to ask me to leave. They asked me to leave because I I guess they expected me to go to school, uh, not get in fights, not get in trouble, not be a roughneck. They had the audacity to ask me to leave. So I left there. And I went to this school called Gateway High School. Uh, Gateway was uh, equivalent to, uh, let's say, Shawnee Heights. Any Shawnee Heights students in here? All right. Uh, Shawnee Heights. It was, it was equivalent to that. Uh, oftentimes when I go into Shawnee Heights, I often think back to my high school days. Uh, so I went to a school like that where it wasn't too many uh, blacks and well, it was predominantly white, and I blended in, and I mean, I had a ball. I started getting my stuff together. I played uh, football. I didn't play, I didn't play soccer, but I played football. Uh, um, was a, a good, outstanding football player. Got a scholarship to a, to a black college uh, called Prairie View A&M University. Anybody ever heard of that school? Prairie View A&M University. It's in Prairie View, Texas. A couple of people. Good. Uh, we were 0-10 my freshman year. We were 0-10 my sophomore year. Uh, my junior year, we were 0-10. And, and I was getting ready. We were getting ready to win a game, but our kicker messed around and kicked the uh, field goal and hit the guy in the back, so we lost again. So we ended up being 0-10 again for three years. But it was there at Prairie View that something happened to me. I discovered that I was really black. Let me share with you. A couple of students went to 
a chicken place called Hart's Chicken. They went there to get some chicken, and the people did not want to serve our students. For whatever reason, they didn't want to serve them. So the students got riled up, came back to campus and said, man, the people at Hearts don't even want to serve us. They don't even want to have nothing to do with us. And so what everybody said is, we're going to boycott Hearts Chicken. Now, Hearts was all over Prairie View. It was all over Texas, rather. They had some in Houston. They had some in Dallas. And from our little town in Prairie View started a boycott of Hearts Chicken. Now, Hearts started combating that because they didn't think it would spread too far. So what they did was they started running specials on chicken. They started saying, any student that comes into Hearts and gets some chicken, you can get uh, four pieces of chicken for $1.99. Now, boy, four pieces of chicken for $1.99? Where do you think your boy was at? I went to Hearts faster than I could it'd make your head spin. I walked in line, walked in there. It was kind of silent in there. I walked in there. I said, give me your special. I want all four pieces. I want a breast, a leg, a thigh, and a wing. I want all four pieces. And put all the fries in the box that you can. I want that chicken. And I took my chicken and my red soda, and I went back to campus. And as I was walking around campus, I was, had my soda in my hand. I was getting ready to eat my chicken. One of my football teammates by the name of Big Bull, I wonder why you, I bet you wonder why they call him Big Bull. Bull. Bull represented his name. Big old dude. He hollers out, hey, Colorado, what are you doing? I said, I'm finna eat my chicken. <laughs> four pieces, not two pieces, but four pieces of chicken for $1.99. I'm getting ready to eat my chicken and drink my red soda. He said, man, do you not know what Hearts is doing? Do you not know what they're doing to us? Do you not know the partiality that's taking place? Do you not know how they're, uh, how they're treating us and mistreating us? I said, man, I'm not really concerned. I got four pieces of chicken <laughs> for $1.99. And he sat me down and was hollering and fussing and, yeah, even some cussing. He was going back and forth at me, but he finally got through to me. And he showed me that I needed to be willing to take a stand. Because if I didn't take a stand for injustice or wrong, when I saw it, I would be falling for it the rest of my life. And so it was right then and there that I discovered what it really meant to take a stand. And as we uh, look at James chapter 2, James chapter 2 is literally challenging us to take a stand against favoritism and against partiality. It's saying to us that there are certain things as believers that we need to be willing to stand up against. There are certain things as believers, as young people, that you need to be willing to stand up against. And I just want to just bring out a couple of nuggets as you deal uh, with some partiality or some favoritism in your life. Because watch this, Uh, regardless of how young or how old you are, listen, You're going to have uh, to deal with this issue of partiality. You're going to have to deal with this favoritism. You're going to have to deal with some, uh, even some racism in your life. It's, It's the elephant in the room. But as believers, I believe that God has given us the blueprint to let us know that, hey, we can all worship together. 
that we can all praise God together, that we can all exist and love one another, it just takes some understanding. So one of the things that it challenges us to do is that first thing, we got to understand what our responsibility is uh, towards partiality as a believer. First thing it says to us is don't get mixed up in it. Don't get mixed up with it. Right there in verse number one, it says, my brothers and sisters, believers uh, in your glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. It, 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 It can't make it no plainer. It says, listen, if you believe in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then you really shouldn't be showing favoritism to anybody. And by that, that literally means, that, that, that literally means that, that, that if someone comes in that does not look like you, uh, smell like you, act like you, or function like you, that you shouldn't just sit them off to the side. I have on this Bronco jersey, and if you're Chief fans, you can't treat me differently because I'm a winner and you're not. Oh, I didn't, I didn't, mean, to, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> Shots fired. Man down. And listen, that, that it's important for you to understand, it's important for you to understand that favoritism is not pleasing to God. And when we think about it, all of us have areas of our life or certain things in our life that, hey, we, we just show favoritism. Anybody ever just, you know, like certain things, want to do certain things, want to go certain places, want to wear certain things, want to hang around certain people? But you got to be careful how you do that because uh, if you're doing it with the wrong intentions, then you're showing favoritism. And he challenges us not to get involved. Number two, it suggests to us, treat people the way you want to be treated. Think about it. How would you want to be treated uh, if you came into a place where you knew nobody, or you came into a place where you stood out and you were different? It was amazing to see uh, uh, just uh, how many people were so friendly to me, uh, Pastor Joe, in the hallway today. Uh, as I was standing there, uh, they were, I, I don't think people knew who I was, but they were friendly. And uh, a young lady by the name of Stacy, she just, uh, just talked to me, and we just was telling me, you want me to walk you around? I was like, no, I'm kind of tired. I don't want to walk. Uh, but, uh, I mean, just so friendly uh, to us. And, but listen, that's how you want to be treated. I'm your brother, you're my brother and my sisters. So then if you would come to our church, I would, I would hope that our church or our relationship would be in such that we could treat you the same way. It's unfortunate that in society today, we're not treating everybody the way uh, they should be treated or how we would want to be treated. Even in your school, there's some times when you could take a stand and begin to treat somebody how you would want to be treated. Would you really want somebody to text about you? Would you really want somebody to post on Facebook about you? Would you really want somebody to, what else is there, Instagram about, about you or Snapchat about you? Would you really want that to happen or be labeled as an outcast? So James challenges us. He says to us that we need to treat people the way that we uh, want to be treated. And he says that in verse 8. He says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. In verse 8, he says, love your neighbor as you would love yourself. So some things that stand out to me is that 
I got to know who my neighbor is. I got to know what my, who my neighbor is. It's funny. All right. All right, where I live, I know the neighbor on the left, but I really don't know the neighbor on the right. Now, I've lived there for 13 years. And so as I was, as I was, I was, I was, I was processing through this thing, I was like, okay, who's my neighbor? And it's not necessarily talking about your house neighbor, but I was really thinking about that. And I felt some kind of conviction. I know him. We sit out there and talk small talk. But my neighbor on the left, I mean, I really know him. But my neighbor on the right, I just, hey, man, good to see you. How you doing? But what if God has assigned me to that block to be a representative of my, to my neighbor? So then I need to build some kind of relationship with my neighbor. Number three, be mindful of how you speak and how you act. Right down there in verse number 12, he challenges us. He says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Can I, can I tell you that if I treat people wrong, I'm going to be judged? God is going to judge me. It's flat wrong. James says it. He says, listen, if you're doing this, if you're treating people with favoritism or treating people different because of how they are, what's going on in their life, or because you just don't like, he says, matter of fact, that's just sin. And understand this, you're going to be judged by how you treat others. Now, I don't know about you. I got to start learning how to treat people better because I don't want to be judged by how I treat people. I make, uh, I make jokes about it, but I got to learn how to love chief fans. I got to learn how to love people that don't agree with me at all the time. I got to learn how to love people that might not like me. I got to learn how to love people that seem unlovable. And I do that by changing my attitude. got to work on me. I start with myself. I got to work on my attitude. Then my attitude will lead to my actions. So then how should I respond when faced with issues of partiality as a believer? I just want to give you a couple of nuggets that maybe you could use uh, if faced with this. First thing, acknowledge and not acknowledge that partiality does exist. Address, address the elephant in the room. When you see somebody treating, being treated wrong or when you see uh, some, some type of injustice that's taking place, listen, acknowledge it. Can I, can I, can I tell you that one of the things that really uh, bothers uh, people that I deal with uh, at my church is that oftentimes they are faced with people that really try to act like it doesn't exist or they don't know that it exists. Let me just ask you, how many of you know that racism is real? Okay, that's good. Because I thought it was kind of like the time when I went to my cousin's house. I walked into my cousin's house, and there was this terrible odor that hit me. I was like, dude, you don't smell that? And he's like, what? I was like, you don't smell that? He was like, what? That smell, that smells like death is in here. He's like, what? I don't smell nothing. I couldn't even stay in there. But it hit me. 
He had been in it for so long that it became normal to him. And sometimes we don't recognize injustice when we see it because it's normal to us. There are certain things that, that come natural to you because of who you are, because your parents, and because of, because of what your parents do. Listen, my son, the only cotton that he has to pick is what shirt he's going to wear. There are certain things that he's able to get because of who his daddy is. And so he doesn't experience the same kind of injustices that some other people would experience that are of the same ethnic background. Why? Because of the privilege that he's entitled to as my son. So one of the things that you have to be able to understand and recognize is, listen, acknowledge that it's there, even if you can't see it. Walk out the room, come back in the room and say, oh, there is a difference between the air out there and the air in here. I couldn't figure out how to tell my cousin to get up and take a bath, do something, because it was bad. Cut on the news, watch TV a little bit, turn off what you watch on, on, on your shows and pick up a book and read about some of the things that are taking place in our world today. And you'll discover that it's not just racial Uh, It's about some of our life choices and different things that is being made that people are playing cards that really should not be played. So acknowledge that there's a problem. Also, another thing that you could do is listen to people when they talk about everyday partiality. Let me give you an example. uh, My niece who goes to school in Kansas City, Missouri, I was talking to her. talking to her father, who's a pastor as well. I was talking to him uh, about what I was doing, and I was saying, hey, I'm going to speak to uh, all these great young people at Fellowship, and I'm just excited to be uh, able to do this. And I was like, you know, what, you know, what are some everyday things that uh, kids would have to deal with? And he was like, man. He said, uh, Brianna, uh, which is uh, my niece, she, she, was, she was in class, and she was going she asked the teacher, could she go to the bathroom? And the teacher said, yeah. And so the teacher took some points off of the assignment. Someone else asked to go to the bathroom. She said, yeah. And the teacher didn't take points off of the assignment. She asked around, hey, did you get points taken off? Did you get points taken off? Did you get points taken off? Nobody was willing to acknowledge or listen to her. And that caused a great frustration. Listen, there's little things that we do on a daily basis that is not just one way, because we do it also. But at least we need to listen to the things at how you feel. I need you to listen to how I feel. And then we need to be able to work it out and communicate together. The last thing is this, and I'm I'm done. Challenge others to take a stand when injustice is presented. I often think about where would I be, Pastor Tim, if Big Bull hadn't confronted me with my four pieces of chicken for $1.99 and my red jerk. How, how, how would my life have taken a turn if I wouldn't have took a stand? I mean, he made, he made me throw the chicken. I took a bite, though. I, I, I did, because I was hungry. 
But where would my life be? What, would I, what kind of person would I be if I wasn't uh, challenged by someone who was willing to stand up for right? Let me share with you what happened. We took a stand. And for the next six weeks, man, you drive by hearts and nobody was really in there. So the owner of Hearts got on the TV and made a public apology about how his employees were treating us and treating the people and saying they would do better with relationships in the community. It was there that I really understood that when faced with injustice, when faced with challenges, I could go back to what James says and not just show a faith that I talk about, but I can show a faith that I live. Will you be willing to take a stand? Will you be willing to speak truth to power? When you look at this, James challenges us. What is your responsibility and what will your response be? God bless you. Thank you.